Welcome to From Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silber, and today's guest is Karen Millen. Karen is an entrepreneur slash businesswoman with over 22 years of business experience whose divorce and a focus on healing with EMDR therapy changed her life back in 2013. So she decided to write a book, An Amazing Divorce, What You Can Do for Yourself, For Each Other, and For Your Children to Achieve It. And she hosts the podcast, The Heal In with Karen Millen Podcast, with the goal of to inspire the world to heal in order to achieve sustainable well-being. Have you ever heard of EMDR, eye movement desensitization reprocessing? My next guest used EMDR to help her heal from her pain, and she's going to share more about it. It's actually something many people have tried to help them through their painful experiences with betrayal. So I'm bringing Karen onto the show to share more about EMDR and some other great ideas you're going to love. Here we go. Okay, everybody, we have my friend Karen Millen with us today, and she's going to be talking about EMDR. And if you haven't heard of that, I know I get so many questions about it. We brought the expert in who's going to be teaching us about EMDR, how it helped get her through her divorce and so much more. Welcome, Karen. Thank you, Debbie. Thank you so much for having me. So let's start with, because I mentioned divorce. Was was it how long ago? What happened? Tell us a little bit about your journey. So I was married for 13 years and together for 17 years with my ex-husband. We had grown very unhappy for about seven years before we broke up. Um, What had kept us together, which was a united vision and how we wanted to live our life, changed the mother, the the time I became a mother. and we had so many differences. We we did not enjoy spending time the same way. Did not enjoy spending our disposable income the same way. We had different love languages. We were both very unhappy. But we had kids, and we were both good people. Um, he was a good man, a good father, a good provider. There's no other than being really unhappy and living lonely lives. Um, we had no clear, you know, danger or anything like that. So, um, I had done a lot of therapy, maybe about four or five years before the breakup. Uh, we had couples therapy. Uh, we had, uh, I had a clear understanding of why I had married him and why I wasn't happy and what I needed and what I deserved. Um, and Debbie out of the blue on a business trip to Chicago, I met my soulmate, someone I wasn't looking for, um, nothing I had ever expected, and came home the very next day and told my ex-husband that we were done, that that he deserved to be happy, that he wasn't happy, that I wasn't happy, that I wasn't sure if this was going to be the right person for me, but that I know that there was someone out there that could make me happy, that... And you know what, Karen, I have to stop you there because I I so respect that. There are so many people in the betrayal community where they're not uh, told. You you know, it was sort of like that you were on the other side of this realizing that you, you know, your marriage sort of went the as long as it can go. And to the extent that it was that it was working for both of you. And then you met someone and then you told your husband the next day. 
And, and I just, I, I definitely do. I respect that. And I'm sure everybody listening does too, because that's fair. That happens. That's okay. Yes. It's when we're not told and then it's sneaky and, and deceptive. That's when it's a problem. So I, I just wanted to make Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. You know I was a hundred percent. And I, you know, it was funny because I was processing what had happened with him. And I said, you know, it was completely out of the blue. It was someone who didn't look like my type at all older, balding, what, you know, like nothing I, that I had ever expected. I described them to him. I, everything he, what he was like and why I was drawn. And, you know, the interesting thing and, you know, sad in, in retrospect is that my ex was like, I hear you. This is a wake up call for us. I let you down. I didn't hear you for seven years or more. I did, I took you for granted. You've told me this crystal clear, what you needed, what your complaints were, where you wanted me to change. And I let you down. I let the kids down. Please give me a chance. And the saddest thing was that I was done. Mm. The saddest thing, because I would have never wanted to do that. I would have never wanted to break my marriage and break my kids hard. But it had been sort of 17 years of sort of unhappiness and the last three years and, and a clear understanding that we were both in our 40s. He was in his 50s. And what it would take for him to change would, would kill him, will we'll put him in the spot that I was in mm -hmm. if he had to compromise his entire life to make me happy. Mm -hmm. And it was things like he would wake up in the morning and go out till 3 p.m. And, and he wasn't an inside person and I was an inside person. So I spent 17 years every morning alone and he spent it alone and things like that. Um, and so, you know, what I did was sort of a focus on the healing journey, on grieving. You know, we both grieved. We both cried our eyes out. We both spent probably a month every night or every other night talking about what happened, mm -hmm. what broke, what were our needs. Um, I started doing EMDR therapy about a week after we had ended it or separated. And I, I love also that you brought up grieving because so often we think grieving is just uh, saved for when we lose someone to, to death. And it's not. It's when a relationship, when we lose whatever it is, a, a relationship, an, an idea, a uh, something that we thought we were planning, expecting. So I, I, the grieving piece is really, really important. Was there a, a, was there a certain way that you did that or something in particular that you tried? So I, I think Debbie, that that's adamant is that, you know, when we lose someone, we go through the mourning period, the, the Shiva, the whatever we go through where you honor the grieving process, you dress like you're sad, you cry your eyes out. And when, a lot of people that I've known that have been divorced, they're like, okay, move on one foot in front of the other. Let's go. Mm -hmm. Let's start dating. Let's start going on. And, and that really works at a, at a time. Like you got to get up and keep going. Mm -hmm. But if you don't honor that month to sometimes six months of really a lot of sadness, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, it's just like short-term pain for long-term pain. What we did we cried a lot. Uh, we, I've been gifted to have read a lot of books about emotional intelligence when I became a mother 16 years ago that I 
I applied every day. So when he was sad or he said something sad, I'm like, yes, sweetie, sad. No one gets married to break up. The idea of Karen and Anthony for 17 years, our memories, we had a beach house, we had friends, we had, you know, like you had mm-hmm. a home. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's done. Um, and I help the kids grieve as well. You know, it's sad. Let's cry. I, I would help them cry. I would uh, read them books about how sad it is. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, if it's cry, it is cry. It is sad, sweetie. Mommy and daddy are not in the same house. And that, I think, was really important, especially for my ex. Um, in his- and that's so important, too, because you're, you know, so often I think the kids are the ones so deeply affected and and they're not the ones getting the attention that they need. It's it, the focus is on mom and dad. But spending that time and effort and energy, making sure the kids are OK. I mean, I'm sure nobody intentionally tries to not make sure the kids are okay, but that it it was a big focus for you is really, really important. It's huge. I was also blessed that I had my own business and I literally took three months off. Mm -hmm. Uh, My partners were not very happy, but I was Mm -hmm. like, I, I was depressed in the mornings. I picked up the kids from school every single day at lunchtime because one of their biggest issues is that it was really different, but we lived in a neighborhood where no one was divorced. So both my daughters, they were eight and six at the time, didn't have anyone in their class that had been divorced. And which is a little bizarre with a, like a 50% divorce rate mm-hmm. that it was so new. So they're like, mommy's going to be embarrassing. And so I made sure that I was with them for the first month lunch and mm-hmm. we would go out and have a nice lunch and cry and be sad or be happy or talk about our action plans. Um, and then I helped them process it with their friends as well. Mm-hmm. So we started having play dates and I'm like, you know what? Mommy and Anthony are not living in the same house, but we're friends. You're going to see him around. You know, we're still having dinners together. We're just very good people who just don't want to live in the same house. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, while I tell you that it, it was very hard the first month for them, uh, and it hurt them. It didn't break them. It, it, they became really good, resilient, happy kids that even just six months later, um, we would be having friends over for dinner and I would hear my six year old say, well, I know why daddy and mommy broke up. They had nothing in common or they fought mm. a lot or they, mommy was slamming doors and like, mm-hmm. so that, that, that that really helped you had to focus on the kids and put right. the kids first. It yeah. sounds very intentional, like it, you were intentionally trying to make that work. So then, so where did so what happened? How did you notice you were healing? So, um, so the other thing that happened was that uh, from the first moment, I you know mentioned to my husband that I would not ever be coming between him and my daughters. I wanted to make sure that he was a great present father. Um, and so that really helped in sort of the amazing divorce because we were super lucky to continue to spend time together, to walk the kids to school, to have dinner. So it wasn't a big transition for them. Um, so, I mean, it, it was really hard. I think the first two months, I mean, we cried a lot. I developed like pains everywhere of the heartache of breaking someone, you know, the heart of someone I loved, um, and that's when EMDR therapy, I was doing it twice a week, you know, because mm-hmm. it was so intense. And my ex was seeing an EFT therapist, which is emotionally focused therapy. Um, 
in a bit of an attempt to maybe regain our marriage. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was amazing in showing him what was missing and to understand that we were not emotionally attached, mm -hmm. that we were two chips running a, a sale and going in different directions, that Debbie, we didn't sleep in the same bedroom for seven years. We were not kind of attached and in love. Yeah. We were just friends, you know? Yeah. And so he having that introspection and understanding allowed him to come back to me and say, I let you down. Mm -hmm. I take responsibility and I'm going to make sure that this is the most amazing divorce that we can, you know, wow. in the situation. That says a lot. So, so let's talk about EMDR. What is, what's the process? What's the, what's it supposed to do? How does it work? So EMDR is a method uh, created by a New Yorker, uh, Francine Shapiro, about 30 years ago. Um, uh, she sadly died last summer. I would have loved to meet her. And it, it, it is very common and well-known uh, amongst the heavy trauma, the big trauma community, the veterans, you know, mm -hmm. sexual assault. And it was a tool that has been researched for 30 years and proven to work at least 70% of the time with big T trauma in the healing of trauma. And explain it, big T, little T trauma if you can. Yes. Yeah, so, um, you know, trauma is anything that is sad that happened to us. And the ACE, which is the American or the Adverse Childhood Effects um, Organization, has leveled eight different types of trauma, which include uh, emotional neglect. So maybe mommy and daddy were around, but your mom was depressed or mentally ill or had an alcoholic problem and didn't give you the time and attention, didn't spend time with you, didn't hear you, didn't see you. Um, uh, physical abuse. So you were hit, you were, or you got the belt, you were hit often. Um, when something happens to you repeatedly with your entire childhood or twice a week, it's called complex trauma, where it, it's not just one effect. You had one bad car accident, you were sadly raped once. No, it's when something happens again and again, it's called complex trauma. Um, divorce is considered trauma, growing up with uh, parents with mental illness, alcoholism, losing a parent. So it's interesting because a lot of us, uh, you know, I think very few of us had a perfect childhood, despite of race, despite of income. Uh, you know, I think trauma is one of the biggest equalizers. Uh, despite of who you are, you know, very few of us had a perfect childhood. Um, so trauma affects all of us. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of us are really good at, at using band-aids, really good band-aids and, and bad band-aids, like good band-aids are uh, perhaps exercising a lot because it makes you feel like a million bucks and it's great. But if you don't heal what's under that, or you're sick or you have the flu or you sprain your ankle, you're, you'll feel sad that day. Mm -hmm. So while exercise is number one and it's an amazing coping mechanism that I rely on as well, um, healing that trauma that we faced, in my opinion, and it's one of the, the missions that I have, is, is crucial. Um, so there's good bandits and other, there's a lot of really highly successful people who work so much not to hear their pain, not to be alone, not to see that, right? We just keep ourselves busy and busy and we're just because we don't want to feel it. 
Yeah, and I, I, this is actually what my first TEDx was about, how we desperately try to distract ourselves because if we were to stop and listen and take a look, it unravels everything. Right. And I remember using this example of like holding a pebble that if you let that pebble go, there's going to be an avalanche. And <laughs> right. And so we use these uh, food, drugs, alcohol, yes. work, all these things yes. to numb, avoid, distract ourselves from right. something. That's, Those, that's what I call the cheap trauma, uh, the cheap band-aids is alcohol. Let's just get mm -hmm. wasted. It feels great for two hours and then you yeah. get hungover. Yeah. So. So EMDR, Debbie, works to access your emotions because I know I, I've seen you say, I hear you say, you know, you got to feel it to heal it. Mm -hmm. Face it, feel it, heal it. You got to feel it to heal it. And so a lot of us, like Freud said, are experts at repressing and not feeling it. And you can go to therapy and talk about my husband left me. Uh, he treated me this way. And you might cognitively understand what happened to you and cognitively understand your childhood. And for example, my dad worked too much. He was never around. I was emotionally neglected. Um, And okay, that's why I married my ex-husband. And so I can understand it. But unless I go back there and feel it and cry it and see myself at six and eight and 10 years old, feeling alone, uh, being bored, being neglected uh, and crying it and reprocessing mm -hmm. is super hard to heal. So what EMDR does is called Uh, EMDR is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. And somehow Francine Shapiro understood that by having bilateral stimulation, so either you tap your shoulders, they do it online now with Zoom uh, back and forth, or there's machines where they tap you in your legs back and forth, or a therapist might go like that to you, or you're mm -hmm. writing in your journal. Somehow that stimulation allows you to access the emotional part of your brain. And so I remember even doing a program. This is when I was healing from my betrayal. And it was an online program. I don't remember the name, but where you would follow, there was like a little disc that would go from left to right in all these different ways. And, and you were supposed to follow it. And I didn't understand it, but, and I, and I say this all the time, just because you don't understand something doesn't mean it doesn't work or doesn't mean it's right. not true. So uh, just doing something like that, I didn't quite understand the reasoning. So I'm thrilled you're sharing it, but uh, I know a lot of people that really is the get MDR. a lot of yeah. That is EMDR. So you go back and forth and somehow it allows you to feel And, and, and all those memories that you repress, you allow, you know, it allows you to get there and feel the pain. And then at the same time, you know, you have to do it with a trained therapist, which you have a safety because, you know, for me was neglect, but if you've had something terrible that happened to you, uh, you know, sexual assault, sexual abuse, um, you know, it, they do have a coping mechanism so that you have something that allows you to go back and feel safe. Mm -hmm. So the reprocessing side is when you're like, okay, and I've had many, many sessions over, you know, maybe 30 sessions. Um, and I went back and I remember how sad and how painful it was to be me. Mm -hmm. And I let the tears go out. Then you, you reprocess it where you're like, okay, you, you felt it. And then you're like, okay, Karen, you're a 45-year-old woman now who you're seeing. 
you're loved. You, I'm remarried and I have an amazing marriage with someone who sees me and loves me. And what would you tell that eight-year-old eight Karen? Mm -hmm. Sweetie, your dad had epilepsy. Your dad tried the best he could. He loved you. He worked so hard to put you in private school. He was just never there for you, but you were worthy. So the, the one thing that EMDR works with that a lot of men love working with it as well. He said, unlike talk therapy, you don't even have to share your story, Debbie. Mm. You, you're, because you're working with a negative emotion. So when you start a session, you go there and you, you know, for example, one of my sessions is like, why did I marry someone I didn't love? I wasn't in love with. Mm -hmm. And, or, or why did I, you know, we actually lived together before getting married. I, he didn't hear me. I would say, I don't want to go to Miami and he buy the flights the next day. Mm -hmm. Why, why did I stay? Why did I stay there? And why did I get married? And so, you know, you sort of cognitively understand, okay, I didn't have a really good fat father figure, but you start the bilateral stimulation and all of a sudden you start feeling it and healing it. And I'm like, oh my God. And so the session starts by asking you, how, what is the negative emotion that you mm -hmm. feel out of your betrayal or out of you feeling pain or being stuck in the wrong marriage? Mm -hmm. And they give you a list of, of negative emotions. So it's be, you're unworthy, you're unlovable, you're, you're, you're not good enough, you, you're dirty, you're, mm -hmm. you know, whatever happened, And so you're working on that emotion and you process that emotion. So you, you know, this is happening. And then they also ask you, it's like somatic experiencing where, where are you feeling it? Mm -hmm. And a lot of the time with the bilateral stimulation, you start feeling it in your neck or you feeling it in your abdominal area or in your reproductive area or mm -hmm. in your head. And with the stimulation, you sort of let it go and you process it and then When you do the reprocessing, which is the older part of you talking to the inner child and saying, you know, you're okay now, you're safe, and you are worthy, and you are lovable, and you were special, mm -hmm. you heal. And I have to say, Debbie, I would go into a session, um, and I come out of it, and it was never an issue again. Never really? So, again. so how did you know? You would just feel the release or feel the healing going on? You feel or? the release. You feel the healing. So they actually ask you if, if from a scale of one to 10, how true is this? So I'm, I'm not worthy mm -hmm. because my parents didn't have time for me. I was left with mates. Uh, they never picked me up from school. They never went to any of my games. When I was sick, I was left alone. What, does, what was my negative emotion was that mm -hmm. I was not worthy. And if I'm not worthy, I go marry the same person who keeps telling me that I'm not worthy of love. Mm. I'm not worthy of being heard. I'm not worthy of being seen. And unless you heal, I would have never attracted my husband now mm. and feel like I'm worthy of being loved and worthy of being seen. And so, that's so true that you just said so, that because sorry, until it so, heals, you know, you keep attracting the same type of person. Right. So you leave the session and they ask you in a scale of one to 10, how true does it feel that you're not worthy? And when you say anything up to seven or eight, you might have to come back to the next session. Okay, let's keep working on this memory. Mm -hmm. Let's keep working on this issue. But I always left with an eight or a nine or a 10. Wow. And it was like, phew, 
Yeah. You know, and I, I still do it. I do it anytime that I'm triggered with something small. I did it three weeks ago. Uh, you know, um, in the summer, I lost a lot of my friends here in New York City. They left to the suburbs. They left to other states. And I was having problems with a friend. And it just, it triggered me. Yeah. Uh, and it, why doesn't she want to be my friend? And I did a session when I went back to when I was in private school and I was in the popular and I was a goofy one. And, and I came out. The next time that woman didn't say hi to me, I'm like, her loss. But one thing mm. is to say it, but to feel it. Right. Like you, you don't feel it anymore. You're, it happens to me with my husband, with playing with my six-year-old Barbies for two hours, and I get triggered and I get angry. And I'm like, well, I didn't have a dad who didn't play with me. That's my issue. Mm-hmm. Did an EMDR. Now I see them play and I'm like, oh, how cute. How lucky is she? You know what I mean? Like, Beautiful. So yeah. I use it all the time and I'm on an on a mission with my healing podcast to inspire the world to learn more about EMDR to learn more so you know on Tuesday on Wednesday I'm having a session with a psycho uh, psychedelics a therapist oh wow because psychedelics I'm afraid to try it I'm not sure if mm-hmm. I ever will but it's it does the same thing it takes you back to when you were six and eight and those things that you don't want to remember and that your body and your soul and your brain has worked so hard to repress, mm-hmm. there's no repression. Like you're going back there and you're feeling the trauma again and f- crying it out and reprocessing it. So and, and, Yeah, and people are having amazing results. I just want to be clear. We all, know, we say for sure, do not do that alone. Make sure you are being never. highly supervised by someone extraordinarily qualified. Uh, so Absolutely. when, when you were saying going back and forth, whether it's eye movements or, or even just, you know, touching back and forth, is there one way that you noticed helps more than another? I love the tappers and it was this little machines that they put in your knee and they yeah. tap back and forth. And for some reason that worked like magic to me where, you know, I would start with a memory or a belief that I wasn't worthy immediately uh, it's bringing me back to memories that I even had forgotten about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now I've done it online with one of my guests, uh, Carolyn Strassum, if anybody wants to try her, she's amazing. And we've been doing that and it's been helpful. Um, but I found that the tapper was uh, slightly more effective. I remember seeing something. It was a, um, it wasn't an app. It was like a little device Yes. Is that what you're talking about? It's like yes. a little device it's a div- and it, it just it, it like clicks one side, the other. But yep. I, I didn't know you put it on your, your knee. Is it, was it, were there two of them? I thought it was there just two one. of them. Okay. Oh, I there think I know what you're, what's the name it's called a tapper. I think it's a tapper. Yeah. Okay. I can send you the information. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. That's wonderful. Okay. And now what happens? I could just, I always try to get into the minds of my listeners and, and viewers and someone's saying, well, that sounds good, but I am just terrified to like, let that stuff come up. Mm-hmm. What do you say to that person? You know, I'm not going to say that it's easy. And, it, you know, when you're ready to do it, you know, it, you got to find the right time because you will be consumed for about a day that days that you have EMDR are not the days you have something do the next day or some big, you know, mm-hmm. putting in the big, you know, but it's really worth it. I mean, it's short term pain for long term gain. It sucks for four hours that you're going through and you're revisiting that terrible memory or that mm-hmm. deep sadness that you felt. But the um, the glory and the and the healing 
and the feeling that you're worthy, the feeling that you're lovable, the things that you can do after is worth every penny and it's worth every tear and every heartache. And I felt it again and again and again. I mean, that's, that's, and now think about it. You said four hours. Some people have been carrying around stuff for 40 years. Absolutely. Right. So if you can let it go and, and release all of that, unearth it and release it and, and be free from, you know, I, I, I had this visual of carrying around, you know, hundreds of pounds of just stuff. And being able to let it go and heal that little, little boy, little girl inside. What a beautiful, what a beautiful thing to do. What do you want to make sure everyone knows as we wrap up? Well, I want to make sure that everybody knows that we are all worthy. We're all lovable and that whatever happened to us, it wasn't our fault. And, you know, every little child, I mean, I have a little child now, it's, it's worthy of love and everything. And, and, you know, this is not about blaming our parents or blaming our, our caregivers. You know, I, I truly believe that people do their best as bad as it could be, just given their situation. It's about taking ownership of you of who you want to be, of how you want to live the rest of your life, whether you're 60 or 70 or 30 or 20 or 45. So if you can heal that stuff, relive it one more time and not live in the past, because that's why people don't love therapy, because it's not as effective when you go there for years and, okay, mm. he, he looked at me this way today. No, it's just super fast, super effective and worth it. I, and I'm all about that. If you can knock out something that has been bringing you down all those years and truly heal it at the roots, which is the only place uh, to really get it done. That's just beautiful. Karen, where do we go to learn more about you and the amazing work you do and your podcast? Mention your podcast. It's a, it's a great podcast. Yes. If you want to learn more about EMDR, I have six episodes there and other type of healing modalities um, that allow you to go deep. Um, go to the healing with Karen Millen in any podcast uh, available out there. And my Instagram is healing with Karen and my upcoming website where you will be able to access all that information and resources to help you heal. Um, it's at uh, healing.net. Thank That's you beautiful. so much. Oh, Dr. Karen, Debbie. I want to thank you so much. You gave us so much insight and wisdom. And I know in the betrayal community, uh, EMDR is, is often spoke of, spoken about, and I, I love how uh, you really you really shed light on it. And I, I know it's going to be a healing modality that many, many people who've been betrayed can benefit from. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. So EMDR is another tool in your toolbox to consider as you move through a painful experience. Remember, everyone has their own recipe of what resonates, so find out what it is for you. The only thing I wouldn't do is to do nothing. Stay in touch with Karen by going to healing.net, and we'll have all of her information in the show notes at thepbtinstitute.com forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway. Dive deep with questions like the one Karen asked. One, what is the negative emotion? Two, where are you feeling it? Three, imagine an older wise soul talking to your inner child for answers. Four, also rate yourself on a scale from one to 10. How true is this? Which is also a great reminder to explore the work of Byron Katie. She's an she has an amazing book that's been out for years along with a process. It's called The Work. And it's a series of questions that truly get you thinking and changing your thinking patterns.
Like the show? Please subscribe, rate, and review. And of course, if you know of someone struggling to heal from a betrayal, be sure and tell them about the show. And if you haven't already, be sure to take the post-betrayal syndrome quiz, which you can find at the pbtinstitute.com forward slash quiz. And have you checked out the PBT Institute membership community? Imagine everything you'd ever need to become your physical, mental, emotional best, community support, certified coaches and practitioners you could schedule time with, daily classes on all kinds of interesting topics, curated experts, teaching advanced strategies in the areas of health, mindset, spirituality, personal development. Imagine the most friendly, welcoming, and supportive place to become your best all online. Nothing like this exists, and I am so excited to welcome you. Go to thepbtinstitute.com forward slash join to learn more. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to be with you next time, and here's to your breakthrough.